Then also we'll be taking our thoughts from Luke 15. The plea from our Lord is come home. Come home. The chorus of the song that we will sing in a little while has these words, Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. This is the simple plea, but can you think of a more important plea that has ever been extended? This year, in the month of April and May, the House to House, Heart to Heart magazine is going to send out an issue, a special issue, with this emphasis to wayward church members come home. Come home. I hope that we can be part of that effort. We certainly have the wherewithal to do that. We have the finances. We have the people with good hearts. We have events coming our way. Not only Ladies' Day, which is a good event, but we have a Men's Day and Family Day. We have VBS headed our way. We have opportunities that abound to take up this plea to ourselves and to others, come home, come home. As I said, we'll make our remarks based on Luke 15, especially the story Jesus tells about the prodigal son who wandered away. To follow alone, let's think of it this way. <clears throat> come to, and then secondly, come away from, and then finally, come home with. Three words, to, T-O, from, and with, with. These will be our three areas as we think about this plea from God. Notice it's a plea from God, not from us. It's a plea from God. So first, come home to. Come home to. Come home to the best friend one could ever have. Come home to the best friend one could ever have. When you open up in Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, you see that folks are grumbling against Jesus again. Because he receives sinners and he eats with them. And we are very thankful for that. You see, the Son of God, in spite of our flaws, in spite of our foolishness, in spite of us, the Son of God wants to be our friend. Come home to the best friend 
you could ever have. In Luke 7.34, Jesus Himself says that people called Him the friend of tax collectors and sinners. How thankful we are. Doesn't that warm our heart? To know that He wants to be our friend. What compassion this is that He has extended our way. Isn't it in John 15, 13, and 14 where Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's Jesus previewing what He is about to do for us. What compassion He has. Not only compassion, but notice what He says in John 15, 15. He says, Everything that I've heard from the Father, I have delivered unto you. He said to His disciples, I no, no longer just call you servants, I also call you friends, because everything I have heard from the Father, I have brought to you. Jesus is the best friend ever, and I'll tell you two big reasons. Number one, His compassion. Number two, His communication. That's what friends do. They communicate. Notice what He says again in John 15, 15. All that the Father has, has, has given me, everything I've heard from the Father, I have, He didn't hold anything back. That's what friends do. And Jesus is the very best friend. We sometimes sing the song, what a friend we have in Jesus. I tell you what, there's no better thought ever been written down than what a friend we have in Jesus. Indeed. Come home to the best friend you could ever have, but also come home to the most loving father you could ever know. Because in this story of the prodigal, the prodigal does come home. The young son does come home. Luke 15, 20 to 24, he does come home. And notice the reaction of the father. In, in true spirit of forgiveness. In the true spirit of forgiveness. Notice what the father does. The father, he sees the son coming from a way off. And then what does he do? He runs to his son. Then what does he do? He falls upon his neck. And then what does he do? He kisses him continuously and fervently. Notice how that the father, in the true spirit of forgiveness, he shows his affection by seeing, by running, by embracing and by kissing. Let's think a moment for that, that hug, that embrace that He gave His Son. That word there means when it says He falls upon His neck, it means that He embraced Him, that He held on to Him, that He clung to Him, and He clung to Him tightly and closely. All of those adjectives ought to be in there. Close tight and he clung to him. Can you imagine? This is showing us how the Father feels toward us. I finally got around. The movie came out last summer. It's called Sound of Freedom. I finally got around to watch it the other day. 
through streaming. If you can take it, you need to watch it. But the movie follows a homeland security agent who begins to work more and more deeply finding children who have been stolen. About two million children a year, at least this was the rate about six years ago, it's more now, but about two million children a year are stolen to become slaves. And this man made it, he quit his job so that he could go into these places and help rescue children. And it had, of course, the movie focused on one particular family, and he was able to both to retrieve the, the little boy, nine years old, and a little girl, about ten years old, back to the father. And when the father saw them, do you think there was an embrace? Do you think they hugged? Do you think the father had a hard time letting go? Well, this is the kind of spirit that our Father has toward us. And not only that, but if you keep reading in Luke 15, you see not only in the true spirit of forgiveness does He show His affection, but in the true spirit of forgiveness, He restores the Son back to all the family blessings. Bring the robe, bring the ring, Bring some shoes and let's have the fatted calf. He restores the son. Does the son deserve it? He doesn't deserve it. And no, neither do you. And neither do I. But that's what the father is willing to do. To restore completely. As if he had never sinned. As if, as if he had never left. And yet, here we are. Come home to the best friend you could ever have, come home to the most loving father that you'll ever know. <coughs> Secondly, this morning, come home from, come home from, come home away from certain things. We can hear God pleading with us. Come home away from that distant land. That's what the younger son does. He, he claims his inheritance and he goes into a far country. Please notice that in your Bible in Luke 15, 11, and 12. The far country. The far country. This represents what sin will do to us. It will take us way away from God. Way away. No wonder David, when he confessed his sin, Psalm 51 and verse 11, when David confessed his sin, he said, Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. David knew that in his sin, God had been separated from him. And in his confession, he was asking God to no longer cast me away from your presence, O Lord. Restore me back to you, Lord. Restore to me the joy of salvation. Bring me back to you, Lord. Come home away from that distant, distant land. In James 4, 7 and 8, we read, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. But if you read up to that verse, James had warned 
James 4 and verse 4, he had warned us, if we make ourselves friends of the world, then we make ourselves enemies of God. Come home from the world. Come home from that distant land. God is not there. Come back. Come back. Ephesians 2 verse 12 says, before anyone comes to Christ, they're separated from Christ. They are alienated from, from God's presence. They do not have God. They do not have hope. Come, come home from that distant land. When we are away from God, it is a preview of hell because that's going to be the worst thing of hell about hell, and that is that God just won't be there. God is not there. There's no more scarier thought to be in a place where God is not. Come home away from that distant land. Also consider this. Come home away from all that deception. All that deception. How do you know this young man was deceived, disillusioned? Well, Luke 15 17 says he finally comes to himself, but before he comes to himself, he's a very deceived person. What happened? What happened? Well, you back up in those verses and you see that he comes to his father at some point and he says, give me what's coming to me. Give me of my inheritance. What a rash, selfish decision. Who had filled his mind with those kinds of thoughts? Somebody had. Maybe he was self-deceived. Maybe it was his own fantasies. Maybe it was his own dreams. Maybe it was somebody else who filled his mind with such thoughts. But somehow or another, he came to believe that the best decision to make was to grab what was coming to him and then go. And then go. Come home from... How many has it been? I mean... How many times have we seen it? How many times have we been in the situation where we follow our youthful fantasies and then we find ourselves away from the Lord? Come home from all that deception. One thing that's so deceiving is that the world seems so much greener. The grass seems so much greener out there. Surely there's got to be something better than the Lord's way. And so it seems greener, and then there we go. I want to glance at a couple of verses with you. Job 12 is one. Thinking about this grass seeming greener out there. Job 12 and verse 6. Job says the words that we sometimes all think. He says, Job 12 verse 6, he says, the tents of the robbers are at peace. The tents of the robbers are at, are at peace. And those who provoke God are all secure. In other words, Job says it seems this way. It seems like the tents of the robbers are just at peace. And, and those who would provoke God, they're the ones that seem so secure. And I'm telling you, God's people look out there and they, they, it seems that way and then there we go following the ways of the world. Come away from that. Come home from all that deception. Another similar verse is Psalm 73. 
Psalm number 73, Asaph. If you look down to Psalm 73, around verse 3, you see that Asaph says, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see, that's, that often is the deceptive point right there. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pains. In other words, they have no pains, seemingly. Until death, they, their bodies are all fat and sleek. And they look so good, they look so healthy, and they, they enjoy all the good things of life. Verse, verse 5, they're not in trouble as others are, and they are not stricken like the rest of us are, like the rest of mankind. That's how it seems. And then Asaph said, notice verse uh, 17, he says, I had this trouble until... Psalm 73, verse 17. He says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God and I discerned their end. You see. That's what's so deceptive. We follow the world, but we don't think about where the world's going to end up. It seems greener out there. It's amazing that church people will even begin to look to the world for advice. Let us come home from all this, from all this deception. I think, I'll tell you another thing, going back to Luke 15, I'll tell you another thing that's so deceiving. It, it appears that the world is going to be our friend. You see, you look there at the end of, of verse 16 of Luke 15, and, and, and the, the younger son had spent all of his, his living, he had been in riotous living, and there had been a famine that had, that had struck, and um, he got to be in, in, in a dire situation, and no one then would give anything to him. We're all his friends now. It seems like that once you have some friends of the world, they will always be your friends, but I'll tell you what, the world will leave you high and dry. When, when times come, when the rough times come, the world doesn't want anything to do with you. You see, come home, God says, away from all that deception. Come home from that. Come away from all that deceiving that the devil uh, is, is playing with you. And then consider this, come away, come home from that destitute situation destitute because notice the younger son he begins to be in want he begins to be in real need okay a famine has struck all his money has run out he has to take a job feeding the pigs and the pigs food even looks good to him okay the, the, he's in real need okay this is this is not one of those days where you didn't get your moon pie this is this is someone having a real need, and this is to represent our spiritual situation before God. When we are away from God, then we do not have anything that the soul needs. We don't have anything that the soul needs. Okay. We are focusing on those, on those things which are temporary. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, we are to be looking at the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen are eternal, the things which are seen are temporary. 
When we're out in the world, we're looking at things that will go away. When we're out in the world, we're looking at the things which are right before us. But Paul says in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. The world thinks they have it figured out. They think they can just keep studying and one of these days they're going to find out a way to make your body, your physical body, be in balance with all of its chemistry and with all its hormones. And one of these days you'll just be able to find peace on your own. That's a lie. Peace is found only in Christ. Come home to the best friend you ever could have. Come home to the most loving father that there ever is. Come away from all that deception. Come away from that distant land. Come away from that destitute situation and come home to God. Come home. Ye that are weary, come home. Finally, come with. Come with. Come home with. Let's, let's journey here with the prodigal son, beginning in verse 17. It says he came home to himself. Come home with a brand new perspective on life, how you look at things. Come home with a brand new perspective. Sometimes, like the prodigal son, I don't even say sometimes. It's most of the time. Most of the time, in order to shake yourself into the reality, you've got to go through some rough times. The prodigal had gone through some very rough times, but that was, a, that, was a, that was a preview to his repentance. That drove him to, to, to repent. Sometimes we just have to hit the bottom of the barrel before we are motivated to come to God for repentance. Well, come home, whatever it takes, whatever it has been, has been. Come home. Come home. David writes in Psalm 119, in verse 67 and 73, he said, he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now, now that I have been afflicted, now that I have lived through some rough times, then I'm, I'm with God. I, I'm studying the Word of God. I am obeying His Word. Okay. You check that out. Psalm 119, 67 and 73. He just stays on that topic for a little while, and we know it is so very true. Come home with a new perspective. And then also, come home with some precious memories. Notice that the prodigal son, he says, how many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough and to spare? Come home with those precious memories. Do you remember... Do you have that memory, first of all? Maybe you have not had that memory. There is a beautiful memory that is created when in true repentance and obedience one can receive forgiveness of sin. When we obey what Peter says in Acts 2.38 to repent and be baptized, this will, receive forgive, this will bring us forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus Christ and will also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't have that memory but if you do, do you, remember, do you remember what it was like when you come out of that water? Do you remember that, that feeling of absolute, no more burden of sin? Do you remember that, that feeling of hope 
that energy that you had when you knew that God had just forgiven you of your sins. Do you remember how simple it was? Do you remember the simplicity? That's all you did. You just came in simple obedience and then you rose from that water and you knew, I'm on my way to heaven and no one's going to get in my way. Oh, how time has a way of just making things which ought not to be complex. It just makes it complex. You remember how simple life was then? You can have that again. Come home. Come home to this. Come home with a new perspective. Come home with this with some precious memories. Jesus uses this on the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, verses 4 through 6. He says, you need, you need, to, you need to stop and remember you have left your first works. You've left that newness. You've left that freshness. You need to repent. Now what happens if we don't repent? Well, Jesus said we'll perish. You need to repent. You, re you need to remember and repent and do the first works again. You need to come back to the, those original days. That's right. Come home with a new perspective. Come home with some precious memories. Come home with a new determination because what does the prodigal say? He says, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to arise. I'm going to go to my father. Nothing has been set in stone, guys. Nothing has been set in stone. Have a new resolve about you. Have some new determination about you. Nothing's been set in stone. It is not the case that some have been, have been favored with salvation and then uh, others have not been favored with salvation. There's nothing been set in stone. God has created us in His image. We are free to make the decision to come back to Him. Come home with a new determination. Come home with, how about this? Come home with some honesty, but not just honesty. How about some brutal honesty for a change? Because the prodigal comes home and he's going to say to his father, I have sinned. The Lord calls upon us to be absolute, absolutely honest with ourselves. James says in James 1, 23 and 24 that, that some people will look into a mirror and then they'll straightway leave and they'll forget what they look like in that mirror. He says that represents someone who hears the Word of God but does not apply it to their lives. He says, but if you will look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, you will see yourself as you really are. That's honesty. Come home with some real brutal, gut-wrenching honesty. I have sinned. I have sinned. Come home, how about not only with some honesty, come home with complete sincerity. Because the prodigal is going to come to the Father and he's going to say, I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. This is, this is the best definition I can see of being honest and sincere 
I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as your servant. If you're not there at that spot, you need to come home. Come home with this new perspective. Come home remembering those precious memories. Come home with this new resolve in your heart. Come home with this honesty and sincerity that the Lord would have us to have. How about come home now? What's keeping you? What's keeping you? You understand, the Lord's not calling us to another human being. The Lord is not calling us to another church member. The Lord is calling us back to Himself. Why not come home now? The prodigal son actually does it. He follows through. He, he arises and he goes to his father and he follows through on what he said that he would do. I can't... I can't say it in the right way. I can't get it out of my gut and my head exactly how it needs to be said. That's why I wanted to use the words of the song and the words of Jesus to somehow or another relate the heart of our Father and the love that He has for us. We're going to sing this song now. Another thing that I can't do, nobody can do, Jesus can do it though. He can look right into our soul and He can know exactly what's going on. With this in mind, will you come home? Let's all stand together and sing.